Welcome to an industry in transition, the must listen to podcast for financial advisors and industry leaders from Tony Siriani, the CEO and publisher of Advisor Hub, where we explore the week's news and events and put our ever-changing business into perspective. Tony is joined each week by industry leaders, mavericks, and disruptors who give their take on our industry and their thoughts on where we are headed. If you want to remain relevant, you can't miss it. Now, here's your host, Tony Siriani. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the, well, we should just be calling this the Art and Paul Show, since we've done this so many times. So uh, grateful to have you guys back to talk about the economy and and let the advisors kind of know what's going on. So uh, in the beginning, I feel like I had my arms around this thing a little bit, as much as, you know, I'm not uh, you guys, but sort of I have my arms around it a little bit. But now things seem to be separating a little bit. Like we had inflation today or yesterday it was came out at 4%, right? So that's less than, than where it was. That seems like a good sign. A lot of people still think that there's a recession, you know, coming or maybe we're in one or, you know, it's, it's just, it's starting to get uh, hard to read. Um, Art, you want to take a swing maybe at the, just kind of where we, your sense of where we are? Yeah, I would say all of that is correct, right? So, Tony, when you think about the fact that inflation in, in uh, June of last year, May of last year, was 9%, we're down to 4%, certainly heading in the right direction. The problem with looking at that holistically is that parts of the inflation picture continue to be sticky. And I think that's because we've over-indexed things in the services side of, of the economy, for sure. And, and that's where the sticky is. Uh, some of the, the, the more mundane things that will change pretty rapidly over the course of the next couple of months is shelter costs. And, and if we were to look at owner's equivalent rent at the next survey, which is happening right now, we'll likely see that come down pretty precipitously. So I think the yeah. numbers are going to get better um, as we move forward. And it's it, it, the, the real question is, are they getting better enough for the Fed to actually take a pause here? Now, the Fed's going to meet tomorrow uh, and this week, and, and, and clearly they're not going to raise rates this particular meeting, but the consensus is come July, the end of July when they have a meeting, they might raise rates again. And I think that's the biggest danger to markets right now, that the Fed actually goes too far and right. doesn't for some of those long and variable lags of monetary policy to kick in. So, Paul, the the the, the Fed's got a big, you know, meat cleaver here to, the, to work with. It's not really a scalpel, right? And then I, I was reading uh, today about New York rents. You know, they think those things are, it might be a renter's market, you know, uh, you know, coming up. How does that factor into your thinking, including the 4% today? Well, I, I, I think if you, <clears throat> you have energy costs went way down. Uh, and that's that's one of the reasons. But what the what the Fed usually looks at is core CPI. They have a number of uh, different inflation models that they they look at. And if you look at core inflation, it's just going sideways. It's not yeah. really you know going down in any significant way. And one of my worries is is that you know energy is not a free market. There's no nothing to do with supply and demand. It all has to do with whether Russia and Saudi Arabia, and even the US has a say in oil, world oil prices, if they determine to cut back as they voted on in the recent OPEC meeting, and if they keep to, to what they're saying of the cutbacks, uh, we could see energy prices. I mean, they want them to to go up significantly. That's the whole point of pulling back on production. If that happens, and it will take 
two, maybe three months before that those energy prices filter through uh, into CPI uh, and inflation starts going up again, uh, which it very well could just on, on energy since core CPI uh, is flat, uh, I think you're going to see a hue and cry for the Fed to raise rates even more. I, I agree with Art. They are going to pause this time, uh, but they're going to raise. But you, you, you also, Paul, have, a, have a, a global view and Europe's in a recession. Right? Am I right or wrong about that? I mean, the, the same, uh, technically. Well, Germany is in a recession. Everybody thinks that either this quarter or next quarter, uh, the UK will and France will go into recession. So it's it's going into recession, uh, if not already in recession, just as I believe we're going into recession, uh, probably in July or August of, of this year. So uh, Art, recession, no, yes, we're already in it. Well, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so this recession has been like waiting for Goodell, right? We've been right. talking about recession that's right around the corner you know, every quarter for the last 18 months. And, and clearly, one of the things that's held that back, interestingly enough, is we've likely gone through a recession in multiple sectors, right? We went through a recession in manufacturing, we over-indexed goods purchases during the pandemic, and then obviously pulled forward too much demand and manufacturing in, in a real sense has been a contraction for 10 months in a row. I think that's starting to plateau. But when we shifted that consumption pattern over to services, that's been an expansion for 10 months in a row. So I think there's a there's the ability for both of those to mean revert, for services to cool off and manufacturing to stabilize. And, and, and at that point in time, that's where you get more of a slow, a slow lesion and a slow session where, yes, the economy's clearly gonna slow down, but it doesn't mean that the, uh, the, the entirety of the economy needs to be in a recession. Well, we, we actually we actually talked about, about last time, I think about having a recession while having full employment or, or good employment numbers. And that always seemed like a strange dichotomy art, you know, that that was. Yeah, well, in an economy, it's, it's driven two thirds by the consumer and a consumer that has seen um, an increase in value of their home, their 401k, their wages, their ability to get a job. Clearly, it's difficult to really punch a hole in it. And you'll hear people talk about the, the increase in credit card debt, but we're not even back to where we were in 2019 before the pandemic. What you're just talking about is normalizing. So we're normalizing personal savings rates. We're normalizing use of credit cards. I think a strong and confident consumer that's out there is likely going to at least soften the blow of this economic slowdown. So, Paul, some, some of this inflationary pressure, I mean, this is my opinion, I'm not an economist, but this started with we, we, we sort of were paying people to stay at home during the pandemic. We just a lot of money got printed. So, so that we had to kind of wind out of that, you know, um, are, are we done with that? And we're seeing a different kind of inflation or is that still sort of underpinning that sort of is the thing that still goosed us up quite a bit? Yeah, I mean, make no mistake about it. Uh, the reason we have inflation is because we printed out of nothing four trillion during the Trump administration and two trillion uh, in the beginning of the Biden administration. And uh, if you look at the recent congressional uh, uh, budget uh, office uh, report after this debt ceiling uh, debacle that we've just uh, gone through is that they're predicting, uh, not surprisingly, contrary to what both President Biden and Speaker McCarthy said, uh, we're still talking about probably a trillion dollar or close to a trillion dollar deficit 
this year and next year. Uh, it, it it was a joke that we even went through this uh, the charade, and uh, and and all that's unfunded because there's only there's only three ways to pay for printing money. You can raise taxes. Nobody in Congress wants to do that. You can cut spending. It was clear in these negotiations between Biden and McCarthy, no one wanted to cut spending, neither Republicans or Democrats. 80% of the budget is Social Security, Medicare, uh, and, and defense. Uh, and, and the third way is to devalue the dollar. And that's what we've decided to do. And how you devalue the dollar is called inflation. And you can, and the, the politicians can blame it on someone other than themselves uh, for inflation. And that's why I think it's going to continue to be sticky uh, as that those new deficits keep rolling through the economy. We're never going to get back uh, to the two percent target uh, that the Fed is is looking so, for. So what? So what do you think, Art? I mean, uh, this I, I'm what I'm picking up out there too is is uh, I get the three ways, but the sticky inflation too sounds like it's a sticky, you know, a sticky problem. What do you make out of that going forward? Well, a couple of things. I, mean, I think when you look at the core inflation level, the CPI at the core level that the Fed looks at that backs out some of the volatile things like food and energy, um, twenty five percent of that still remains shelter costs, and we know shelter costs are coming down, right? It's just not reflected in the in the government data. I think that by when we exit this year, we're going to be closer to a 3% CPI or a high two handle. I think at that juncture, the Fed's going to say, our, the upper bound of our Fed funds rate is five and a quarter. That's likely too restrictive, especially if you look at what is also happening in regional banks willing to land with that. The financial conditions there have tightened up a bit. The fact that the, the Treasury has to have a, a, a massive new issuance to fill up the coffers after the debt ceiling finally got raised, that's another trillion dollars in issuance coming out of the Fed to Paul's point. So I think there's enough tightening going on that the Fed's going to look at this and say, hey, we're getting close enough at 3% to our 2% target that we don't need to raise anymore. What happens when the Fed stops a rate hiking cycle is investors start to look at everything that hasn't worked. And that started at the beginning of June. So the Russell 2000 outperforming the S&P 500, small caps doing well. All of the sectors that weren't mega cap technology have started to find a bit. The market's broadening out. So everyone has been talking about just five or 10 stocks driving the S&P 500 this year. 175 S&P 500 stocks are actually doing better than the index. I think we're at a place where this market anticipates and looks forward and says, the next thing the Fed has to do is cut rates first quarter of next year. And, and the market is likely to react to that. So Art, it, it's been pretty volatile, right? So, I mean, would you, and the market's always a leading indicator, right? The good news for both of you is I only know simple concepts. So the the, the market's always this leading indicator, right? So we have a bad market, then the recession comes, and sometimes the market does pretty good because it's already you know factored in. Do you think we factored in in the markets any of this you know uh, upcoming you know potential for a recession or potential for anything else? Or you think the market's in the right place or it's overdone or what? You have to understand from peak to trough and the sell-off while we're anticipating a, a recession every quarter around the corner. Um, the market was down on the S&P 500, 26%. The average stock was down closer to 35%. The NASDAQ was down in similar numbers. So yes, the market being a forward pricing mechanism priced in some of that economic slowdown that we're likely walking into now. We did have two quarters of negative uh, GDP growth, so a technical recession. But I think what the market's pricing in now is that this is going to be a short and shallow, softish landing, and that the 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 
numbers we start to see in the first quarter of next year will reflect better economic activity. And I think that's reflected in estimates, which, oh, by the way, went up, not down after the second quarter earnings reporting season. So, uh, Paul, for uh, those of us that are, you may want to answer that too, but, but I'm also thinking in terms of um, the Fed. I mean, they don't just have to raise rates or lower them. I mean, they can leave them for a while, right? I mean, so it's harder to buy a car. I, my, my daughter just bought her first car and she paid twice as much a month for the same car that my other daughter, you know, three years ago bought, bought the same car. So, I mean, it, it's out there, right? And that should be cooling the economy. Um, they, what's saying they just leave it? Yeah, no, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, my estimates for inflation are a bit higher uh, at the end of this year than than arts. But I think at some point, uh, he's right, we're, we're, the Fed is, is just going to pause and let it work through the economy, but they're going to keep um, uh, the rates, I think, for longer at the same rate. I do not believe they're going to go and start cutting rates. That was the mistake that I think the Fed has learned from, from the 1970s. Uh, I also don't believe that we had a recession last year. I mean, the first quarter GDP uh, that, uh, that went down last year and even the second quarter, that was largely supply side issues. It wasn't because there was a lack of supply and demand. It was people wanted stuff, they just couldn't buy it. And so we had this kind of artificial contraction. And there's, there's a group called the National Bureau of Economic Research, and they're the ones who actually formally set uh, recessions. And they do not believe that uh, last oh. year's negative quarters were a recession. But if you look at the leading economic indicators, uh, if you, you, they're, they're just uniformly going down. And, and I do think inflation is going to eventually go down. Uh, and a recession is probably one of the best ways to, <laughs> to get rid of a lot of uh, inflation. Well, you know, uh, that's a, a Paul, I mean, recessions aren't necessarily unhealthy, right? For no, I, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, we've historically, we've had a recession every six to 10 years. It's, it's like the day follows night. Uh, it's the economy is a cycle. We've had 13 years of a, of a the best bull market in U.S. history, I guess, and uh, and now it's time for a recession, and I can't understand why. Well, here, so so welcome. So, so all right, it's rid of all the excesses. I I I I agree because that's what I've seen. But art. Um, can you have a recession without pain? Because in my mind, pain in a recession comes from losing your job, right? That, that's when everybody, that's when people really struggle. I've, it's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of people. So can you have a recession without losing your job and, and without having the pain that, that, that we need to, is it necessarily based on, on pain to get us back to where we need to be, I guess? Yeah, there's an old quip that goes, the recession is when your neighbor loses his job and the depression is when you lose your job. <laughs> we're we're at a point now where the biggest conundrum to this recession story is that we have a very resilient labor market. Now, the first crack in that we saw last week with the weekly jobless claims finally picked up after yeah. hearing months and months of layoffs by you know most publicly trading companies. So it's a it's a really a function of the demographic makeup of the United States. How many baby boomers did we lose during the pandemic that retired and aren't coming back? 
and, and, and what is our birth rate and having basically zero immigration versus what immigration looked like back in the pre-pandemic days. So the reason that our unemployment rate is, is so low, one of the reasons is our labor force participation rate is going to struggle to get back to a place that looked like 2019 to 2018. But we, we also value jobs similarly in those things. So it's like if you're making $400,000 in a tech company, it's the same as if you're working in a service job at Starbucks or wherever else. It's a job. And the fact is we're losing a lot of these $400,000 jobs and we can't find people to do the Starbucks job, right? So, I mean, that's the, you know, I, I don't know if the, how sustainable that is. Well, what, yeah, what, it was a really good point. I, I would tell you that the, the, the first round of layoffs that we heard were very much to your point from companies like Alphabet and Apple and, and, and the mega cap technology companies who could afford to layoff you know, tens of thousands of people and still not you know, show up in much of a percentage of their change. But what that did was it, it allowed small and medium businesses that have been struggling to get those types of coders and software engineers and et cetera that would never work at you know, mom and pop um, yeah. software company. So I think there's been a, there's been a, a, a transfer of really talented people that have started to take down the job openings or the jolts number, and once that gets back down to you know call it 1.3 jobs open for every person looking for one, we'll be at a normalized um, a, a normalized place. And I think that's how you have a soft landing without having a, a, a big run up in unemployment. Paul, uh, yeah, let me say this historically, um, we have had recessions where employment continues to go up. I mean, in 1973-75 recession, uh, we continued to go up for seven months uh, with unemployment not coming down. So you can have a recession, but you know there are different types of pain. Uh, there's the pain of inflation. Uh, people feel like they're going backwards, and so they, they don't spend as much on goods. It, it becomes a, a sort of psychological Thing. And also, I agree that this is going to be a mild recession simply because so many people have jobs. They will have money coming in. And so even if we do uh, formally go into a recession, which I believe is definitely coming uh, sometime soon this year, um, we could still, it's going to be mild because of, the, of those, those things. But that doesn't mean the stock market can't go down uh, you know, substantial amounts. In 2001 and 2002, during the dot-com recession, that was a very mild recession. It was yep. less than like 1% uh, negative GDP during that period of time. And yet the stock market peaked to bottom, went down 49%. In 73 and 75, when we had uh, in a lot of inflation, uh, the market went down 44%, even though it was a very, very mild uh, recession. So I think people get kind of a false confidence with a mild recession that the stock market can't go down dramatically. And I, I believe that it will mainly because the upsurge in the stock market has been because of these, you know, five Artificial, yeah. stocks. And if you look at the rest of the, of the, you know, uh, S&P 495, let's say, uh, it's it's just flat. Uh, and most people have a diversified portfolio, so they don't have them all in these five to seven stocks. And, uh, but I think, um, I think they're overvalued now. If you look at, you know, 50-day moving average, 200-day moving average, 
they're they're the S and P's way over. And so what's a, what's a percentage? What's a percentage drop in your mind? What's a I percentage? Think, I think we're going to see once the recession hits, and I don't believe we're in a recession yet. I do believe either at the end of you know July, August, or September, uh, that will be when we go into a negative mm -hmm. GDP because uh, we're close to that now. And when that happens, we could see from the S and P today down twenty twenty five percent, and yep. it's that would that would be the historical average uh, for a recession where peak to bottom, it's 36%. And uh, well, let's get Art's POV here. Yeah, so um, a couple of things. I think that the, um, I quoted uh, Sam Peckett in the beginning talking about this waiting for Godot. Yeah. I paraphrased Dylan Thomas a little bit. This economy just refuses to go gentle into the good night. And, and I think that's the problem with everybody's estimates for what's going to happen. We just went through a second quarter earnings reporting season where estimates went up for the rest of this year and have stayed higher for 2024. That doesn't typically happen. What typically happens is estimates come down. You have, you have people getting more conservative looking at the back end of the year. I think that's a positive. I think the market is broadening out. I think that's a positive. I think comparing what might happen in a soft landing or, or short and shallow recession this year in terms of market terms versus the post.com bubble, when the multiple for the S&P 500 was close to 40 times exiting the dot-com bubble and valuations for technology companies were much larger than they are today. The most expensive technology company we have now is NVIDIA. It's trading at 50 times forward. Cisco, which is the perfect analog, was trading at 160 times forward at that point in time. So we had more to give up. So I, I would offer up that if we're going to go into a short and shallow recession, and that timing is sometime towards the end of this year, the market may have a, you know, call it a 10, 15 percent pullback. But I think that's still going to keep us basically unchanged on the year with an S&P 500 that's up 12 percent from, from uh, the beginning of the year. Well, I'm uh, obviously and well, not obviously, but if you do, you guys know me, I'm an optimist all the time. I'm pulling nothing but good news out of this. <laughs> anyway, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that, yeah, we're, we're going to have a recession. I think it's healthy. I'm kind of on Paul's team. And I also think that based on what I've seen in the markets over the last, you know, five, six years, 25 percent, you know, we can do that standing on our head. We, we come back so quickly in this, uh, you know, marketplace that I, I see, can see that happening. I see a recession, but I'm seeing us come back. Tony, can I just uh, say yeah, one you thing? Can. You know, um, I I'm I'm I don't look at the markets as as much as I think as as Art probably does. I'm I'm always focused as a as an investment manager on the underlying economy, and you know it's interesting uh, if you if you look at the history of leading economic indicators, uh, they usually are an early warning system. Uh, telling you in advance that we're going into a recession. And for the last hundred years, the conference board, which is was set up in 1919 at the same time as the Federal Reserve, it, it covers leading and lagging economic indicators. But in terms of leading economic indicators, once it gives a recession alert, uh, which it did in September of 2022, it's usually six, uh, nine to 12 months in advance of the recession. Well, September of 2022, and now we're in, you know, June go, going into July, that's nine months. Uh, that It's exactly on track uh, historically for the last hundred years. 
I know people have been hearing, uh, because people do look at leading economic indicators, that yes, they're 100%, they've been 100% accurate in the past, and yes, we're going into a recession, but it seems like it's taking a long time. But that's, it, it has, it's nine to 12 month advance warning that we're going into one. Yeah. And that's why, you know. Well, well you know, the thing is markets have never been watched more closely by more people <laughs> more of the time. And I think people are, were, our expectations are are so, so much so that we need everything done right away. It needs to be now, it needs to be faster. It needs to be, you know, done. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and we have so much transparency around everything involved in the markets, including yeah. monetary policy. When, when, when uh, Paul and I were watching Paul Volcker make his monetary policy moves, there was no transparency. He let us yeah. raise the Fed funds rate by 250 basis points. He took his word for it. <laughs> the way we would find out would be the next day, Manny, Annie, and Chase raised their, their prime lending rate by two and a half basis points. I mean, by 250 basis points. So the analog just kind of falls short. We, we kind of, the, 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 all of the Federal Reserve has zero on express stocks. We know exactly where they stand. There's yeah. not going to be any surprises. They're going to take a pause this meeting. They may raise rates at the July meeting, but that's only if the data gets worse, not better. And I, my contention is that the data is getting better, especially the inflation data where we have real-time housing in there. All right. We'll, we'll see. Uh, all right. So I, 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 the good <laughs> news is it's my show. I have the last word. I'm saying, I'm predicting uh, employ, continued employment, which is the only thing I really care about because I think that, uh, that helps people the most. But with inflation, people don't really understand how it robs them of their money. Market's going to go down, but it'll come back. That's my prediction. End of the year. I just took everything you said and made it my opinion. So there we go. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll do this again. You know, these uh, these times are continuing, uh, continuing to change. And I really appreciate your, and I think the advisors really appreciate your point of view on this stuff. So thank you. Thanks to B. Riley for letting you guys come out here. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us this week on An Industry in Transition. Make sure to visit our website, www.advisorhub.com, and subscribe to Advisor Hub. It's free, and you won't miss any advisor news or events. While you're on site, check out all the podcasts available. Click on the Deals Pages and Resources tab for valuable content, or check out the market section with its guru predictions, latest fintech offerings, you name it. Feel free to email Tony Seriani about specific questions we can address on the show. He can be reached by email at contact at advisorhub.com. Please note that all requests and questions are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for the next Industry in Transition episode.